Hey folks, welcome to the Friday Night Lights podcast. This is Blake, just letting you know that there were a couple of complications with the audio settings that we did not realize were not set correctly until after we had recorded earlier. And so we apologize and look forward to next week's podcast, which will make sure we have every setting exactly right. So without further ado, here we go. Hey everybody, and welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the podcast for the NBC and Direct TV television show Friday Night Lights. I'm Blake, and here's Russ. I'm Russ Palsgrove, and I've been a fan of the show for the very long time, and I'm glad to be on here today. Really excited about Russ being able to be a part. We've uh, been talking about the podcast for quite a while together, but never had nailed down a time. And it's time to uh, have some dialogue, some conversation, instead of it just being one person here talking about it. Talking about the show, but um, today we're going to be talking about the uh, episode two of season four. What's uh, what did you think, Russ? Um, I liked it a lot. It seems that uh, I mean there are a few things that it, it's funny that the more real the show gets, the more I kind of like notice little things that would that would not really happen. Right. Like I wonder, you're talking about the. Um, uh, I think last week you talked about the the signs in the yard, and I, I was like, this team hadn't. I mean, obviously they hadn't had a football team in a long time, but they sure care enough to already call them a quitter. Um, but uh, there's a few things that really, really stick out to me um, uh, starting out. It's I really liked um, something that I didn't ever see was um, the guy uh, Luke, the whoever whoever plays him, uh-huh. Matt Loria is the guy's name. But right. um, I didn't even I didn't even see that coming remotely. But like the it's, he was like the most mesmerizing character of the episode to me, just because his first scene is like, um, you know, his first scene he, he has to cry and kind of be. I mean, can you? Imagine, it had to have been his audition scene, but he knocked it out of the park. I thought. Um, you know, a few things about that about Luke. Um, are we supposed to have expected him to have been a part of the Panthers last year? You know, I don't know if he's a new uh, a new guy that's moved into Dylan or not, but uh, at the same time, I don't have any recollection of in the past few seasons, and now he's supposed mm-hmm. to be the stud the stud running back. But um, at the same time, I'm thinking if if a player is having to be uh, moved out of a school district, does the principal show up at practice to talk to the kid in the rain? Yeah. Or <laughs> does she go? T- does she still talk to the athletic director who goes and talks to the coach oh. then after that? Well, apparently the boosters run everything at that school anyway. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's what she was doing. Is that Jeff McCoy is the guy, so she's trying to go around him, right. obviously. So, um, but uh, you know, I I I thought that was a, I thought that was a, you know, like his first day on set. Basically, I'm sure that. I didn't even notice him maybe in the first episode, but I guess he is kind of like in the background or whatever. But his first, he was the guy there at the at the party for JD. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, he was the one that asked Julie, "You ready to be a part of something special?" Oh yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, I really liked him, and uh, you know the 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 end. I don't. Yeah, I just I really I took a liking to him a lot. Really. Fast. I always have really liked Saracen too. Maybe just the whole kind of when football players show their emotion and stuff. That's kind of I don't know. I really like that. So 
Anyway. But did you expect that response from, from Luke? Because I didn't. I expected him to be, like the first part was like, no, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And I expected him to be the one that would fight it. And then he's yeah. like, okay, okay, I'm all right. And then he came back. He's like, Principal Taylor, I'm sorry I lied to you, to your face mm-hmm. and, and before as well. And I, I think on East Dillon, they're really going to need some like instantly likable characters besides Landry. Like they're going to need somebody who's, but he's like he's just so like he knows that it's the right thing. He like apologized for lying and right. Um, I think that's I think that's part of it. Is they gotta they've gotta come bring somebody over there who's kind of who just like that people will automatically connect with. So my my wife and I were talking about how much. Like that guy's just, he just seems like such a genuinely nice guy, just already. Um, anyway, not like Calvin Brown. I, I liked him, he really scared me. No, not like Calvin Brown. <laughs> Although, I, you know, I didn't, we talked about this, but like the first episode, if you put Calvin Brown against Landry and you had to pick, not knowing anything about those guys past either one, you say one of these guys has, has killed somebody as a sophomore in high school. <laughs> Who do you think would have done this? And C. Brown. Um, yeah. Yes. Probably not. So I thought he was just going to be gone, but apparently he's at least going to be a secondary character for a little while. So. I know he comes back for mm-hmm. a few more episodes at least. I'm not exactly sure how many, but I've uh, I followed the the guy that's the actor. Actually, I followed him around a bit on. Uh, I say I followed him around. I followed him on Twitter, and it seemed that he was actually doing uh, something for episode eight. I think so. I don't know if it's a weekly thing or not. Obviously, he didn't have a very big role, but I know he's in next week. I saw the previews. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, maybe. I mean, he could be just a little big character. I'm ready. I'm. I am ready to see. Uh, uh, to see Buddy Garrity a little more. You know, like we have. I mean, it looks like that probably is going to be coming up too. Sure. But Buddy is the kind of like down home, like likable guy. I just. I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna play that because a guy who's been a fan of a certain school his entire life, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. Especially when it seems like Dylan is Dylan is like his. It's like his uh, college football team. It's like his Ole Miss or his Tennessee, and and or you know, even if for somebody who's living in a pro town, he's like the their, his Chicago Bears or whatever. It's like all he cares about, and I I couldn't see, no matter what happened. You know, you have, have unless, a tendency to turn a blind eye to things when you're a big fan of a certain school. Unless they push him out. You know, you think the stuff that he basically was the one that turned in Luke, it seems like. And if that mm-hmm. were to get out, you never know if they kind of put him on the out. So I think he has yeah. a loyalty to the Panthers, but I think he has a loyalty to Eric as well. Yeah. So I think there's going to be that struggle that happens happens within him for sure. Um, I had to, I had to pause last night while we were – we were talking. I had to like, actually, literally, like pause it on the computer while we were we were watching because uh, because when Michael Leach showed up, I started laughing and laughing. And of course, my wife is like, "Who's that guy? Why is that so funny that he's talking about pirates?" She's like, "I don't get that at all." He's the captain. And, yeah. So um, that's a nice little cameo by him. I'm yeah. guessing Buddy Garrity being such a Texas because he went to Texas Tech, right? Didn't he? Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah they, they reported that when uh, on a Friday night before Texas Tech and Texas played on Saturday, so they had a little scene at the gas station on a Friday night while Leach happened to be in town. Makes you wonder if he would have been preparing for the game a little bit more if that would have a different outcome. That's true. 
probably wouldn't. I love how he's like, he asked, he asked how to get to Lubbock. He's like, get your pirate swords up. You yeah. can swing nope. them like this. You gotta swing <laughs> them like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm not really into, at least yet, and I guess it's part of just his story arc that's gotta close up with the Matt Saracen artist stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just, it seems like it's a side plot that's not really gaining much traction. I don't know if it'll, mm-hmm. it'll finally grab a hold and, and be something that seems worthwhile. They've been playing some setup, but. Part of, yeah, yeah. Part of the um, part of the Saracen thing. I think Saracen's big draw for the longest time is that he's kind of like this this underdog that you really want to see things happen for. Right. And there, I mean, when you graduate high school, there's really not a whole lot. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can, not a whole lot of places you can take his story. And I know that like they wanted to keep him around. I'm sure it's going to close up. I'm, I mean, I kind I trust them to do that, but. I mean, I I didn't I laughed when that guy came to the door in his underwear, but um, yeah, I don't yeah I don't really see where they're going with that. But you think it'll be the, art? That's his ticket out of town. Probably. I mean, it seems to be the way they're going, and so, like, but do we assume something I, will happen to his grandmother then? Because you know he won't leave yeah. his grandmother. That's why he's there instead of in Chicago. I don't know. Uh, surely, though, I mean, maybe I don't know. That would be. What if she dies or something? That would be, that would kill people. But I mean, it really would. But what else can I, they do? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, I, re- I really like Saracen. But I think part of the intrigue of the show for me is that, like, as soon as you know, the Taylors are obviously like a bedrock, and then I think Buddy Garrity's kind of a bedrock to the show, you know, because he's he'll be there for a long time. But I think they're going to keep Riggins on. I heard a a podcast with Peter Berg a few months ago and he was talking about that was, this was before they didn't, they knew whether or not four and five would be renewed, but um, they were talking about how they're like, we just have to keep Taylor Kitsch on the show just cause he's so good looking. <laughs> I, remember, Which, I heard that too. Oh no, the sports guy. Yeah. 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 I read an interview with Kitsch um, during season three and he said that they all the time wanted to take his shirt off and he's like, look, I'm driving down the road in my truck. Well, I don't need to have my shirt off. <laughs> he's, he's like, forget about it. But uh, you can you can type in um, Tim Riggins in Twitter search, and there are plenty of females salivating over him all the time. Yeah, I think my wife would leave me for Tim Riggins or <laughs> Coach Taylor, either one. So, oh, speaking of speaking of Riggins, um, this is this is one of my favorite things about the show is like the subtleties of it because you know Riggins comes back, talks to talks to Coach Taylor, and. You can just tell there's like this disappointment. Like, why are you not at school? Right. And there's, there's just, I mean, even in the, like, just in a simple conversation they have, you can tell that there's like, you kind of expect him to lecture, but then he doesn't. You can tell that he's just like got so many other things going on that he's willing to, like, he's, it's like he's willing to take the. Oh, yeah. You know. But then oddly, right after that, instead of Riggins coming to the, the 10 o'clock practice on a Saturday <laughs> night, he's, he's dozing off at the bar. Yeah, I'm like, what kind of help is Riggins going to provide? Because he's he's not showing up. So, I mean, it's going to be funny if they if he like becomes offensive coordinator and they're wanting to run plays and he's like off in Mexico or something, <laughs> New York City. So, uh, but you know, Riggins can get away with those sort of things. He mm-hmm. he had one of the probably better lines of the night when uh, he was saying, "Hey Billy, when you're done with that violin, can I borrow it?" <laughs> yeah, Billy Billy's yeah. wound up. Yeah, I think yeah, Billy seems like he's not ready to have a not ready to have a kid. 
married life, it seems to be taking this toll on starting and getting married and starting a, a fledgling auto shop. It seems like more that he can chew right now. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised last week with just how he just went ballistic all of a sudden over a joke, and then it seems like Tim is still ready to give it back to him. I think Tim knows he could take him if he had to. Or he's not worried about the, yeah. the, the encounters there, but uh, I don't know. What did you think of? Uh, did you ever watch the practice? Um, the, the lawyer show that came on ABC. No, I didn't. All right. Well, um, Jess Merriweather's dad, that was working at the diner, uh, he was uh, like a, a lawyer in. Oh yeah. Uh, the practice. His name was Eugene. I'm like, hey, that's Eugene back there flipping burgers. <laughs> he's uh he's in a few things. Um, I can't remember. Um, I, I'd seen that guy. He's like one of those that guys that you see, and you're like, "Hey, it's that guy from something," but I can't, I can't remember what movie he was in, or because I think he's been in a few things yeah. before. But uh, uh, we played a bad know, guy I, in something recently. I can't remember what it was. But she adds uh, Jess Merriweather. She adds a new, a new wrinkle to things. At first, I think I'm wondering if there's going to be some romantic interest there between her and Landry. You kind of see. Oh yeah, some attention happening already. Well, obviously they're setting that up already. Like there's romantic tension between those two, and also between Riggins and Becky. the yeah the bar daughter girl. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know what's funny is that this is gonna sound probably mean spirited or whatever, and I hope that well, never mind. Gracie Bell is <laughs> yes, I knew not, we were as, going. not as cute as I thought she was going to be. Like, she, you say she didn't take after her yes. mother or her sister? Yeah, she has two attractive parents, and I don't know, maybe it's just like an awkward phase or what, but... Well, she's rocking um, the mullet that's not right what now. I, she's rocking mm-hmm. the mullet for sure. Wow. Oh, <clears throat> oh, Vince, Vince's name, his real name is Michael Jordan. Michael it's B. Michael Jordan. B. Jordan. Uh, I'm sure that they did that because of the... Screen Actors Guild or whatever, and I mean, who wants to be called Michael Jordan for your entire life if if you're going to be even? Michael Jordan was in Space Jam. <laughs> he was. He was. Did you ever see uh, see the guy that plays Vince on The Wire? Mm-mm. I know. I only watched like the first two episodes of The okay. Wire, and I can't remember anything. I, I knew he was on there, but I think either I've seen part of the season one, and either he was very very young in that, or he wasn't season one at all. I wasn't but it was interesting that he kind of put Coach Taylor kind of put it all on at first on Landry, but then on uh, on Vince to try to bring everybody back. You know, a kid that he doesn't know very well to begin with. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess he's been through two or three weeks of practice, but at the same time, all on him and kind of put it to him. Like, Look, I can get another job, but if this mm-hmm. don't work out for you, you're going to the slammer. I'm calling Officer Shaw back. Oh, did you recognize the last week Officer Shaw is a cornerback for the Raiders? Um, he's a, all, I think. So. The all pro, uh, excuse me, all pro quarterback for uh, Oakland Raiders. Like was one, he is. I guess. <clears throat> he is, is currently. Yeah, he and Peter Berg had worked together on a Nike commercial, uh, and so uh, Berg's is- pulled him into the uh, into the Friday Night Lights world. There's there's really interesting like just subtleties that happen all throughout. It's like you can tell that both like Tammy and Eric are both really stressed out because they're getting that big blow up over the mailbox. Um. Which I thought I thought that was a really good scene, just because I, I think the thing is, is that like they don't have to they don't have to say it, but you can tell like all the tension is building up, and when it explodes, it you know it comes out, and 
you can tell it's not just about that one right certain thing. It wasn't just about the mailbox. It's about like she's having to, you know, like try to be this principal, but also the coach's wife, and he's trying to build a program and deal with kind of this embarrassing situation that he's he's been through or whatever. I, I think the those are the kind of things that really make the show what it is. I think that's um, obviously going to be one of the main tensions that they that they really work into the entire season, which I think is genius. <clears throat> it's genius as far as how they were able to make the uh, to make the, this season four and five work. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and and obviously, I mean, the, they have pulled something that they have really exaggerated. That I mean, I think kind of the better is it's like Tammy has has a whole lot more. I don't know how to. She just has like she really is just very confident. She has a whole <laughs> lot of spunk, you know. Like she's just like I don't. I don't care. People, people boo me, and I'm fine with that. And uh, it's funny. There's obviously a, a there's a clear line between Joe and Tammy, and I don't think they've ever. I don't think it's ever been like that. You know, they've always tried to see the best in people, but you know, with what the McCoys have done to them after they tried to go out and help them out, there there's obviously like some resentment. Just saying. Oh yeah, I don't totally. They really care about you. And I, I love that shot when they're getting booed. There was a shot over at Joe, Joe McCoy. He might as well have been like, he might as well have been like cackling. Flexing his muscles. Know, right, exactly. Because he had, I mean, he's just brooding over there. So I thought that was kind of funny. The the conversation that Wade, Joe, <clears throat> excuse me, Wade, Joe, and Tammy had there in the parking lot there, they were talking about if they do have to forfeit game one, that that is going to hurt them so bad they may not be able to win state. But then they're talking about it so confidently. So it seems like they're back and forth. I think that maybe they're just trying to be overly dramatic with it all. But mm-hmm. um, it was, I, I thought she had, like you say, quite a bit of confidence there, uh, guts, that uh, to be able to walk away from that conversation and then come back to the good old boys' breakfast meeting and say, I just want to make sure that you rent it by all your other buddies here that if you mm-hmm. were to you know, take away rings and championships and, and some of the history of our team, that they're okay with it too. And she just walked out. Um, of course, Buddy's sitting right there. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of that that comes from. I mean, it's I, it, there's a lot of that that comes from anger too. You know, I, oh yeah, that's that's just another thing that I think is really. Were you surprised at how big the school of East Dillon was? Because after seeing the field house, after seeing the field itself, I was expecting it to be kind of a bit of a mm-hmm. rundown school. But then it's almost like some of those big school you see in a regular, you know, inner city movie. It almost seems. Yeah. I think it's starting to kind of make sense now is that, you know, um, they're, they're, it just seems to be in a poorer side of town. Yeah. And when you look at the, the practice facility and the field and the jumbotron they have at Dillon, it, it just seems to me that the boosters pay for all of that. You know, it seems to have a strong, wealthy uh, following, whereas East Dillon is in a poor side of town where a lot of people – if they don't have disposable income, if they do, they're really not going to do it on a football team that hasn't existed in five years, you know? But the school itself seems bigger. Because West Dillon isn't a two-story school. I've never seen them walking upstairs. But then at East Dillon, you saw, I remember Julie for her first day, she's walking up, dodging folks in the the hallway and (laughs) the stairs. And so East Dillon as a building, and it seemed like it was in decent shape. The cafeteria was clean and and everything. Because at first I thought that maybe West Dillon until – until I saw Landry there. 
it does seem to have like a like a dark like the whole thing seems to have a darker tone to it uh it just i don't know if that's just the way they light it or whatever but um i mean you know some of those some i mean of those, even racially though it's obviously darker i mean there's a lot more more black folks at east dillon than there were at west dillon but yeah, you have to assume yeah. they were all at the same school the past three seasons though yeah yeah I, 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 that's what that's the one thing i was wondering when they came out to the field at the end i was like Aren't there, aren't there anybody that, I, I mean, it, it just seems like, I don't know, I guess that's the, the kind of the joy of doing a high school show is that you can take some of those things for granted is right. that the high school looks big enough to where there are lots of people that you wouldn't feature. You know, on Lost, there's still people, you know, the, as, as with all the people who've died off, there's only like 20 people left on that island. And we still don't know some of the people. We still don't know where the children are. We still don't know where Cindy, the stewardess, that she walked off to. Talk about when lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, well, she showed up in season three. I'm saying she, she walked through the middle of the camp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she's on the, she's part of the others in, anyway. Absolutely. There's plenty of lost podcasts, I guess. So. Definitely. Um. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll I like that. I'm trying to think of a few other things that might have really <laughs> stuck out to me. Well, I, thought, I thought it was you mentioned the fight between Tammy and Eric before in the kitchen, and I, I was usually they always get in some sort of an argument, and there's some sort of resolution, even if it's if somebody gives in, even if somebody says, "Okay, well, we'll work it out," and he left. He ended it just by deciding to go get a get a gallon of milk. Get or milk. Yeah, you know, but he's like, I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm not going to be yelled at my own. He left. And I, I liked how it wrapped up at the end with uh, with them sitting on the couch and you know, her having a glass of wine. And they both had a fairly good day. Um, mm-hmm. when she stood up to the, the bully boosters, and his guy showed up, and they had, you know, they burned all the jerseys or what have you. Um, and so I, did, I liked how it was able to wrap up like that. Yeah. So I think a lot yeah. of people watch it because of the tailors. I mean, you, know, you have probably people that watch it because of football. You have people that watch it because of rigging. But I think there are a lot of folks that really dig into the relationship between coach and Mrs. Coach. It, it, the, another thing I'm wondering is, I guess, <clears throat> did they have a, a bye week the first, the exactly. second week of the year? I don't know. Um, they're, they're a, that's probably a good timing for that. Um Unless, I mean, if they get beat up like, like they do, like they did the first game again, it's going to be, they don't have two weeks to recover. That might, that might be it for the East Dillon football program. Well, so. you know, you, you know that, uh, that West Dillon, apparently they had a game because they had a pep rally. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I, they played, uh, West, West Cambria. Yeah. West Cambria. Which sounds like a Louisiana um, team. But, you know, I'm thinking about it. She supposedly stood up to the boosters and all and got booed at the pep rally. So maybe they played on a Saturday. Yeah. Because uh, don't, don't some Texas high schools play on Saturdays? Well, yeah, she said, yeah. And she said, I mean, he did have a Saturday night practice. Yeah, 10 and o'clock. she said she got booed today. Right. So, like, all those things happen on a Saturday. So those are the kind of things that I guess that I – I miss because I didn't. I didn't grow up in Texas, or I mean, it might just be something they take liberties with, or whatever. But I don't. I don't know specifically how that works. I think it's just how it worked out there with uh, with the riders. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, looking towards uh, towards next week, um, 
Actually, before that, let me see if I can work. I'm going to see if I can play this uh, voicemail. Uh, yeah, this is Pat. I just wanted to call and comment because two of the things that I love about Brian Life in general and the reasons that I think it is uh, one of the best shows ever, two of the reasons that I really like this last episode, the first is that Brian Life does what no other show does as far as like developing dynamic characters. You start off with characters who are either innocent and kind of wholesome or characters that are just broken and messed up and kind of nefarious. And it takes us, over the course of the seasons or the episodes, you kind of, you move in and out of their goodness to their badness. And it's, it's kind of epic in scope. And, um, you know, nobody, nobody's more epic than, uh, than Buddy Garrity or Tyra Collette. And um, I, I think this season you see the McCoys, the darkness in their household starting to come out as Joe is now this nefarious blackmailing character and JD is just a little punk and um, just really interesting uh, the transition that they made and now you see that um, Luke, the football player, and his his goodness and innocence and just um, coming out and um, it's, it'll be interesting to see where he and then the curly-headed person that I don't know her name, who's kind of getting on my nerves in the first episode to be honest, but who by the end... Um, of this episode, you see that there's a different side of her as well as Riggins is moving into the mobile home. So uh, it'll be interesting to see just as people continue to change and flux and moves. The other thing that I love about it, and this show is one of the best as far as dialogue uh, is concerned, the, the conversation with uh, Tammy and Luke in the rain was incredible. Um, just so real and so raw and just the emotion and the blubbering and the apologizing and the you know, trying to make cut a deal, all those things, just incredibly good. Uh, I also thought that the fight scene in the kitchen between Tammy and Eric was fantastic as well. And just one of the reasons why, yeah, this, I like the show so much is that it is so real and that nobody has any just kind of rote lines that they give, that it's just uh, it's real people. And um, I think the writers are to be commended because they did such a fantastic job of it. So anyway, that's my two cents for this week. Bye. Hey, Blake and crew. This is Morgan out in South Carolina. I've been watching the show. Um, uh, my only complaint so far is that Coach Taylor is working in this extremely poor school as a coach, but they're not making him teach at all. And as somebody who used to coach and teach at a poor school, I find that highly unrealistic. Uh, other than that, I'm just kind of standing by and seeing which direction it's going in. Mike Leach is a horrible actor. I'll say that, but it was kind of cool to see Mike Leach on the show. Uh, and I assume they'll be called the Dylan Pirates after this episode. All right, later on. Um, he he's actually he's absolutely right about him being a horrible actor. But it sounded like he was. Didn't it sound like he like some reporter asked him a dumb question in the middle of a press <laughs> conference, and he was just answering it, like <laughs> you know. I don't think he was acting. Your Pirates swords up. Yeah. Yeah. There was no acting. I mean, I wonder how you direct that too. Like, all right, Mike. Pretend that uh, somebody has lost their mojo and you're trying to coach them back up. What would you say? I can um, see that easily. And then, too, I agree that uh, why are any of the coaches not having to do any classroom work? Um, maybe sometimes head football coaches don't have to be in the classroom in different places or just teach you know, driver's ed and, and study hall. But it looks like he has no responsibilities other than sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. And it looks like yeah. Stan's sticking around. Stan, the uh, Sears coach. 
Yeah, well, they they do such a good job of playing him up in the first episode, and then he's barely recognizable in the second episode. I I, I do, I, I I love the the format they've gone to with thirteen episodes because there's so much that they can pack in, um, that they can let some things go, and you just be like, well, you know, they only have thirteen episodes to get to get this done, so I, I'm kind of okay with that. And I, I I like it. It seems like twenty two episodes. Or twenty-four or whatever seems seems like a seems like a lot. I think that's kind of the the whole problem with the murder subplot is that it it stretched out for six episodes, and I, I think they realized how bad they messed up when they did it. But you know they had to they had to stretch it out. The resolution of that that would be something if they really messed up that. Um, although I don't I don't think they'd ever mess up that bad again. Uh, I, I would assume if they could have twenty-two episodes, they would take it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say definitely as as a fan of the show, I would take it if they were able to have more because now you know watching on on Directv or or recorded off of Directv, mm-hmm. it's just you know you're forty what three forty four minutes straight through, and usually by the end mm-hmm. I'm thinking I've got another twenty minutes to go right, and then right it's over with so quickly because I so I think you know I think they could have done some more with maybe Vince's mom with with uh, Julie's first day at class with some of the tension uh, maybe even Vince going talking to the guys or the tension between Landry and coach. Mm-hmm. I think they could have done, if they had more time, I don't, I don't think we missed out, but at the same time, I think they could have done more and not just been fluff. Right. Part of the, uh, yeah, the, the, you're exactly right about that. The last two, two episodes, it, they've been over. And I'd be like, what, that's it. That's over. Especially yeah. when he forfeit and you're like, what, what happens? What does he say to the players afterwards? And those are the kind of things that you cut out that I think maybe there's a, with a show that's as, I guess, realistic or raw or whatever you want to say, I think there's um, as much mystery as you still can kind of uh, obtain with with something that's um, so in-depth. I think that still kind of lends itself to pretty good because then you have something to talk about. you got stuff to ask, ask questions about. So. Well, where do we go from here? I don't know if everybody has seen the, the previews for next week. So if you, if you don't want to be spoiled, if you consider preview spoilers, then uh, go ahead and fast forward through this. But um, it's obvious that there's going to be some tension between Luke and Vince. Uh, and I kind of wondered that, knowing that Vince was a running back and then here Luke is being redistricted to uh, to come over with, with East now. And so they're two guys for the same position. So does Vince move into a new position? Are they both running backs? You see Calvin Brown coming back. and They're going to run the wishbone. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, they they run, don't have a quarterback. Run the triple option or something. Run the wildcat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously trying to find jerseys. Now, I wasn't too clear exactly what was happening in the previews for next week, but it seems that uh, uh, there's going to be some financial strains at the, at the Taylor household. And I'm assuming it's trying to get some some new jerseys for the team. Although you know they have new jerseys because if you watch the opening scene, uh, opening credits, you see they're going to have some nice red jerseys because number 40 catches a pass at some point and everybody cheers. Um, so I don't know when they get those jerseys yet. Yeah, and it also looks like there's some, the, the Buddy Garrity, Joe McCoy thing is going to be stretched out. I, you know, it just, I, I can't tell if like part of it is that Buddy, I don't know that Buddy has a, is really loyal to Coach Taylor or whatever, but I feel like that there some of it is just he's kind of mad that Joe's like the the big wig now. Um, the 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 scene of him like 
the opening scene of him walking around with that umbrella and falling down, that, that, or you know, just chasing after the golf cart. with him. Yeah, that was that was great. Um, just because you could see that there's he's always been the kind of the top dog, and now he's not. So that I, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see how that's going to work out. But yes, it does seem like that there's some difficulties that he's doing. Obviously, those schools aren't getting equal funding. Uh, just from a school standpoint, other yeah. than, you know, so. but I, you know, you got a guy who runs a car dealership and what does Joe McCoy do? He's a beer distributor. You remember they say like the very first episode that they introduce him, he's like the, he's like the king of studs or something like that. That's I can't right. remember exactly what That's they right. said, but he does well um, for himself to own that palatial home and second episode in a row with no Katie uh, McCoy. She's yeah. not around anywhere. She was in Northern Exposure, if you remember that. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched that show. She's O'Connell in Northern Exposure. I didn't watch it, but I know oh. she was a uh, she's an attractive lady in that show as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think oh. that about does it for uh, for this week. And uh, again, we welcome any and all feedback. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can call at six six two two five nine zero one eight five. That's our Google Voice number. It's uh, quite simple, and then we'll be able to download and put you on here. As always, you can go to fnlpodcast.com and uh, leave a comment on the blog. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter twitter.com slash fnlpodcast or um, email us at fnlpodcast at gmail. So uh, really glad to have Russ on the show. Looking forward to him being uh, around more and more, giving more of a perspective. And uh, I think there's a couple of other people that may be able to pop in and pop out with us. Um, but until then, thanks for joining in.